listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Hey, anyone into uh, motor vehicles? Come on, anyone into motorsport? Uh, there is a big race on this weekend in uh, on Phillip Island, for those of you who didn't know, which is why there is carnage on the streets everywhere. Uh, but when I grew up, I was, I was into motor vehicles. And I didn't like building motor vehicles. I just liked driving motor vehicles. And when I say driving, I was the kid who used to drive up and down the main street on a Friday night and thought I was the coolest kid in town. Because anyone know someone like No one. I feel, this is going to go over real well right here. Uh, and I, what I did is I saved all my money. When I was 18 years old, I bought a V8 Tirana. 1974 V8 Tirana that was midnight blue, had 20-inch rims on it. Some people are like, who cares? Uh, Stick with me. This has a point to it, so stick with me, I promise. But when I bought the vehicle, what I didn't know was that, because I don't want to build it, I just want to buy it built. So the guy who had it before me bought the vehicle as a four-cylinder Tirana that would put out about 72 kilowatts of power. Again, stay with me, don't switch off. What he did was he took out the four-cylinder motor and put in a V8 motor that puts out 222 kilowatts of power. He made that car have three times the amount of potential power than it did when it came off the assembly line. Do you know that every one of us has potential? Every one of us has the ability to create movement. Every one of us has a God gift on the inside of us. Whether you've got language around that or not, you are good at something and that's God's design for you. You have potential to create power to move forward. What I didn't realise was this turkey put a V8 in the front but didn't change the differential in the back. Now, for those of you who are non-mechanical, of which I am, I just had to learn because I needed to, the differential is the thing that takes the power from the motor, distributes it to the back wheels, and gives the vehicle the ability to move forward. How many know potential is useless unless you can get it to the back wheels so it can move forward? Otherwise, all you got is noise. So this guy left a four-cylinder diff in the back. So every time I used the power of the potential, the diff would explode. Because the coolest thing to do on a Friday night, if you don't know this, I'm about to educate you in coolness. The coolest thing to do on a Friday night is to drive up and down the main street of town about 10 times, sit around in a circle. I'm describing some people's Friday nights right now. Sit around in a circle, talk about how cool we are, Then find an empty field so you can do burnouts before you go home. That is the definition of the greatest Friday night in my 18-year-old life in South Coast, New South Wales, because there was nothing else to do. So every time it came time for the burnout, I had more potential than anyone else. But because I had a four-cylinder delivery system for the power, it had lasted about three seconds, the diff would blow up, and I'd have to tow the car home. I went through six differentials in four months. Do you know that every one of us has potential to create power? It's called our gift. Do you know that we need a delivery system for that gift? It's called our soul. You're not just going to 
create more forward momentum in your life or marriage or finance or spiritual world of your life just because you have a gift, but it takes a delivery system to utilize the potential of that gift so it becomes more than potential but actually becomes forward movement. And we spend so much time getting better at our gift and making sure we go to conferences on our gift, we read books about our gift, we talk to others about our gift, and we take our gift from a four-cylinder gift to a V8 gift, but how much time are we spending on our soul so that we can deliver the potential that we are creating so that it actually makes a difference and we move forward? We have a whole bunch of people who are out of balance when it becomes, uh, when you, we take a measurement of gift versus soul. And this whole series, Solar Drift, is about do we have our soul anchored to the point where it doesn't become a liability to us and we are led by our soul? Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says. May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Any, I don't know about you, but I thank God, that I discovered a place where there is a God who loves me, who journey with me, not not to put me in religion and rules, but to journey with me to make me holy and whole, to become all that He's called me to be. And when I get saved, my spirit is connected with God in an instant. When I pray a prayer and say, God, I want to accept and begin a relationship with you, in an instant, my spirit is connected with God. There is there is no question that I have a relationship and connection with. God. But the second part of that verse says this, put you together spirit, soul, and body to keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. And I wonder how fit is our soul? And we're going to take some time over the next three weeks to talk about Are we getting stronger in the area of our soul? Our soul is the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's are we thinking better? Are we dealing with feelings better? And are we having the ability and the skill set to make great decisions in points of pressure and in moments of challenge that move us in to everything that God has for us? Because I believe there are a whole lot of people, Christians and people who are, who are outside of the church at the moment, who are walking around with soul fatigue. Like their soul is just taking hit after hit after hit after hit. They're thinking and, and challenges in that area, thinking, speaking. People have spoken things over them. And people are walking around with soul fatigue. And when we get soul fatigue, we attach our soul to things that they were never designed to be attached to. I was talking to a couple last week. They were in my office and... The husband was telling me all these things that his wife didn't do for him. She doesn't make me feel valued. She doesn't make me feel honored. She doesn't make me do this. She doesn't. And it became very apparent that he had attached his soul and given expectations to the relationship that that relationship was never designed to fulfill. And I wonder because of soul fatigue, how many of us have attachments to things that we shouldn't be attached to? When ultimately there is a better place and a better source for us to get what we need from. And God as a father, not God as a mean judge, God as a father says, if you would come to me, I will feed your soul. I will mature your soul. I will help you move forward. Because soul fitness requires our soul to be anchored. 
What's your soul anchored in? That's the question that we're going to be asking over the next three weeks. Is my soul anchored in anything or am I... I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life where I'm just trucking along and things feel like they're going well, but something happens left of fear. How many know, there's another word for it we're not allowed to use in church, but how many know stuff happens? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, stuff happens. Like, I can't, I met a guy in the foyer just five minutes ago who'd been made redundant from his job. He never planned for it. He never worked for it. How many know there is stuff that happens outside of our control? And the question is, if our, the reality is, if our soul in those moments are not anchored in the right things, then they'll go to the wrong places. And we'll begin to make poor decisions and say silly things that we regret once we're out of that moment and, and think in patterns that are actually destructive, not constructive, because that. That's how it goes. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The Message Bible says we must take a firm grip on the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The writer of uh, the book of Hebrews here is talking to a group of people who had found a relationship in Jesus. They had discovered that Jesus was the answer to have a connection with God. But life was happening and society was happening and they were going against the flow of society because they lived in a culture where it wasn't about Jesus. It was about other things that I could do to make myself right with God. And They were living in a society that was saying, hey, have you really got what is right? And they were tempted to go back to old ways of doing things and old ways of coping and old ways of operating. Does that sound like life to you? Where God says there's a better way and as you get into it, it seems tiring and there is a moment where there's a temptation. Well, that was actually easier the way I used to do that. And the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, therefore, the answer to that is to hold on to what you heard because when you hold on to what you hear, It'll give you a reminder as to why I'm pushing through, why I'm going through. Here's the, here's the reality. We live in a world where our souls are bombarded every day. Every day. And we live in a time in history where feelings have become the predominant voice and the predominant reason we make decisions. Well, you are what you feel. You should be able to do that because you feel like it. But in the order of God, my feelings were never the supreme authority in my life. The Word of God was the supreme authority in my life. Because if I ran on feelings, then I will never walk into all that God has for me. Because I'm lazy. Don't look at me all judgmental like that. In your own state, you're lazy as well. Like, why am I putting myself through this hell? You know why? Because my marriage isn't what God wants it to be and it's worth all the work to move forward and push through the feelings into everything. Trust me, if it was feelings, I would have given my kids away by the time they were two and a half. Come on, every parent. Because I, I don't feel like getting up at 2 a.m. to feed. Some first-time parents in here. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is beautiful. For your first one. <laughs> Come on, if it was feelings, I wouldn't be celebrating 20 years of marriage next month. 
because she would have felt to leave me a long time before now. (laughs) Is our soul anchored or are we adrift with all these other things? Because the Bible says, therefore we must give more earnest heed. We must take a firm grip on what God has said and anchor ourselves in that. Amen. So I want to take a couple of moments to look at the life of Elisha. Elisha, uh, to give you background, Elisha was a young guy who was just living his life and God had marked him for something special. In fact, there was another guy around at that time. His name was Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God for those Uh, the prophet of God was literally just the voice of God of that time. And he would become the mouthpiece of God. And Elijah was the mouthpiece of God. And Elijah, why did God have to make him Elijah and Elisha? Like, couldn't it have been Steve and Robert or something? Like, just, just so it could be confusing right now. So Elijah hears from God that Elisha, I'm gonna let you in on a preacher's secret. You know how I remembered it? Elisha has an S, which is a soon to be prophet. So Elijah hears from God that Elisha will be your replacement. But Elijah has some big, big shoes to fill. In fact, Elijah was known as the greatest of the miracle working prophets. How's that? Hey, you're going to be that guy's replacement. Oh, yeah, cool. What does he do? He's the greatest. Like, couldn't you have picked someone a few further pegs down? Like, really? Like, couldn't you lower the bar a little bit? No, no, you're going to be the replacement. You're going to be the replacement for the greatest miracle working prophet. You ever sat in church and felt like God's asked you to do something? You're like, come on, bro. Drop the bar. Like, uh, how can I ever do that? How could I ever become that? I've thought like that for years and you want that to change? How is that ever going to happen? I can't see that in me. But listen, that's where we can't be soul-led. We have to be spirit-led because the reason God's saying it over you is because He sees it in you and He will walk and work with you until you walk into all that He has for you. So let's read Elisha's story as he steps into and remembers again what God has said and anchors his soul in the promise of God, not the challenges of the moment. 1 Kings 19 says this, So he departed, Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Don't you love Bible details? Son of Shaphat. Awesome. Just in case you're wondering, he was the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was on the 12th. Now, I didn't see anyone go, that's amazing. But we just found out something really important. He had 12 yoke of oxen. That means he was a part of an incredibly wealthy family. In those days, to have one yoke of oxen means that you had some farm holdings and that you were a wealthy. How big does your farm have to be? to need 12 yoke of oxen. Here's why that's important, because God does, doesn't come and talk to a socio-demographic and, and those who on the outside don't have anything together, but God can come to us in our greatest moment of success and say, hey, in this moment, I've got something more for you. I've got something better for you. You don't have to change what you're doing, but there is a shift on the inside that I wanna make. Would you journey with me 
in every season of life. Elijah passed him by and cast his cloak upon him. How weird is that? Like he's just moving along with his oxen and Elijah comes and takes his cloak and throws it over him and walked off. Like, really? In that day, it was symbolic. It, was, it, it wasn't some random thing. Everyone knew that if someone of authority put their coat on you, it represented that they saw something in you that was in them. Can I tell you, when you're sitting in church and you feel a tap from heaven, that, hey, there's something more in you. It's not God just speaking holy words and, and weird stuff. It's God saying, I see something in you that you don't even see. And don't let your soul disqualify you from moving into all that I have for you. He left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, let me go kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done for you? And he returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed it and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen. So he took the, he took the cart and he, he created a fire and he had a good old barbecue. He gave it to the people and then they ate. He then arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. He ran after Elijah and the Bible says for the next 18 years. 18 years. How many wish I could just come down the front and pray for me and my soul would be all good? I, I just want a moment where someone prays. No, 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 18 years he served Elijah. You might say, well, what did he do for 18 years? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you what he did. 2 Kings 3.11, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Are you waiting for the next bit? That's it. That's it. He was the hand sanitizer guy. He poured water on the hands of Elijah for 18 years. 18 years into this journey, Elisha and Elijah come up to the River Jordan and Elisha takes his cloak, the same one that he put over him while he was going, and he slaps the river and it parts. Don't ever tell me the Bible is boring. Like, this is crazy. He slapped the river and it parts. They walk across the river and then we pick up the story on the other side of the river. When they had crossed, Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, what should I do for you before I am taken from you? Elijah said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. You know what, church? Let that be our request. Let it be a double. You know what? Friday night was amazing. But let's, let's believe for a double in March. Let's believe for more people to encounter the love of God. Let's believe that more people encounter people who genuinely love them and don't have an ulterior motive to do something else. But let us never settle for God. You do, how many know God's doing some amazing things in our Melbourne family? But I've got news for you. We ain't even scratching the surface. Let there be double and more. God, let there be more of your presence. Let there be more of supernatural stuff. Let there be more people who walk in with a deficit and walk out whole because of what you do and who you are. Let there be more. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. I think he's just being weird now. Like he's all mystic. If you see me, it shall be. 
If you don't see me, it shall not be. Because read the next part. As they still went on and talked, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. How do you miss that? There is flaming horses and chariots. If you see me. You guys need to get some imagination. And Elijah saw it and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he looked up. Sorry, then he took his own clothes and tore them into pieces, which was a sign of mourning in that day. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. So he goes up in chariots of horses and the only thing that's left is the same cloak that he'd slapped the water with and thrown over him while he was plowing. And Elijah's like, Elijah's like picks it up, puts it on, goes back to the edge of the Jordan and needs to cross it and thinks, worked for Elijah. And slaps the Jordan and it parts and he walks across. Do you know why it took 18 years? Because God needed to deposit something in him, not have him for a moment to perform a miracle. And when we anchor our soul, God wants us to go through the journey where we are depositing things in us, not just having a moment in church. Now, I love moments in church. How many? Uh, I've been in more church than most of you, I'm sure. I've, I, I'm in a lot of church. I love moments in church. But we can't just rely on those moments. We have to journey so God puts something in us. Because here's the deal. Here's what I want you to write down today. This is my whole message in one sentence. I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. But if you're getting bored, write this down and, and go home. I'm good. Future me is merely an exaggerated version of current me. Yeah, but God, I just need some prayer. Yeah, that's awesome. But we need to go through the process, particularly I'm talking about our soul today, to go through the process of securing our soul and overcoming some things because future me is merely an exaggerated version of current me. And if I don't like current me, don't just keep on going pushed and to and fro and with an unanchored soul because future me will just be an exaggerated version of that. I need to take the time to say, God, anchor me on the inside so that future me is an exaggerated version of anchored me as I go into all that you have for me. Tony Robbins says this, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. You ever, you ever seen a friend go through that moment where you're like, man, I'm sick of this. I've got to do whatever I can do to change. The maturing or the growing of our soul is a process, not an event. I'm going to say it again. The maturing or anchoring of our soul is a process, not an event. And I love the fact that we have a God who wants to be so engaged with our life 
that he wants to help us with anything that would cause me to be adrift in life and not get the potential he's placed in me to the back wheel, proverbial back wheels so that I can move forward into all that he has for me. Now, let me let's talk about three things that Elijah went, Elisha went through stepping into all that God had for him. Three things, number, three phases, if you like, that he went through. Number one, he went through an unbearable phase. Unbearable feelings that result in drastic action. Elijah burnt the yoke. You're like, eh, whatever. That's like you or I burning all of our inheritance in a moment. He had an unbearable feeling. And my prayer, our prayer, is that every one of us over these next three weeks, as we talk about the soul, we have some unbearable feelings of, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. This isn't what you have for me. You've got more for me. You've got, you've got greater stability. You've got greater potential. You've got greater things for me. We get these unbearable, not some tickle our ears on a Sunday where we're like, oh, that's a nice thought. But something on the inside is awakened to us no matter where we're at in our journey that God has more for you. That there is more that we need to walk into. So therefore, I need to anchor my soul. In 1519, Herman Cortez set out with... Uh, him and a ship full of people to sail to Mexico to expand territory. That's what they did in that day. As legend has it, when they got to Mexico, some of his shipmates thought it was hard and it was tough and they wanted to get back in the boats and go back to where they came from. But Herman Cortez said to them, go out there and burn the boats because going back is not an option. Living this way is not an option. And my prayer is in the next three weeks, some of us burn our proverbial boats and say, God, living like that is no longer an option, but God, I want my soul to be secured and not adrift all over the place. Help me to secure my soul. Why is drastic action necessary? I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad you asked. To overcome inertia. Isaac Newton, the law of inertia. I'm going to get all scientific. See, I'm trying to hit everyone today. We've got vehicles and we've got scientists. We're good to go. Every object. And I want you to think about an object as a habit or a mindset or a feeling. Every habit, every mindset and every feeling will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless it is compelled to change its state by an action of an external force. Let me unpack that. The word inertia means lazy. Do you know that every habit that you have, every habit that I have, every mindset, every soul issue doesn't want to change. It just keeps wanting to go in the same. If I'm negative, it just keeps wanting to go in a negative direction. If, if I'm fearful, it just wants to keep going in a fearful direction. It will continue to do what it is already doing because it has inertia. It has move. And the longer I've been that way, the more momentum that has, the harder it is to stop. How many times have you said, I will no longer do that again? And it lasts about 24 hours. If you're good, because everything is moving in one direction. Why do we need drastic action? Because 
We need the ability to change the direction of where our soul is headed. Some things are an easy fix. How many know sometimes God tells you to do something and you just, you just kind of hit it and, and it, it moves. You get movement out of it. It's, it's, it's easy day. Hey, God says, why don't you change this? This balloon has no mass. It has no substance to it. So therefore, it'll be moved around by the air conditioner. I won't even need to hit it. But how many know some things in our life are a lot different than that? That They're established. They've got mass. And I can pray a prayer and, and still struggle. There's no movement. I, I, can, I can believe God as much as I want and there's, there's, no, there's no movement. But Elijah shows us that after God has spoken to us, there are some times we need to have some drastic action. He burnt the yoke. See, this is why baptism is so crucial because it's a drastic action. Fully immersed, fully wet, fully there. That's, that's why going to next steps, giving up three weeks is a drastic act. Yeah, but what about the kids and what about the... Yeah, but I want to change the direction of what's going on. That's why joining a group is, is crucial. Why? Because, yeah, but it's a Wednesday night and it's all sorts of complications. I know that, but you're not going to be able to change on your own. You need to do something drastic to get movement on those things. The things that have helped me in life the most are a result of unfollowing following some people on Facebook. Why? Because every time I look at their flipping profile, I hate my life. Your kids never spill anything. As I'm looking at my kid that's just drawn over the wall. Sometimes I have to change relationships as a drastic action. So that I can get movement in the direction I'm going in. And as I was preparing this morning, I got a real sense that Holy Spirit is going to speak to some people in our Melbourne family today and next week about some things. And they're not moral issues. If you've got moral issues, then deal with that. But they are things in your world that God is going to ask you to create some drastic action around. You may be able to pick them up again at in the future, but for a season, I need to step back so that I can change the direction of my soul and get some movement in the right direction. Because how many know I can get movement in the right direction, but it doesn't take much to get it back to what it was. To, we need to burn the ships and go back. Number two. Number one, he was... What was my first word? Unbearable, sorry. Number two, <laughs> number two, he was uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable due to 18 years of actions that he would prefer not to be doing. 18 years Elijah served Elisha. A friend of mine who has done ministry for a long time. I catch up with him often. He made this statement to me recently. He said this, if it's instantly visible, it's likely not long-term sustainable. And you know, I sat down and I wrote a list of the heroes in my life. And there's a big difference between I appreciate what you've done and I want the life that you have. Listen, I love Steve Jobs because I appreciate what he's done, but I don't want the life that he had. It's not about a bank account. It's, a, it's about a way of life. And I looked at that list of people who I admire, Pastor Paula Marie Diong, Amanda's father, 
Amanda herself was on that list. We worked out that she's been involved in worship teams for 30 years. Her first time singing in the choir was 13, and she has never had a break just doing what God's asked her to do for 30 years. And I looked at that list, and I realized everyone on that list had one common trait. They just kept saying yes to what God had asked them to do, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And they've built a life that secured in what God said in the beginning. I read this book, uh, and Darren Hardy says this, it's time someone told you straight. You've been bamboozled for too long. There's no magic bullet. There's no secret formula or quick fix. You can't make $200,000 in a year spending two hours a day on the internet. You can't lose 30 pounds in a week. You can't rub 20, pa- you can't rub 20 years off your face with a cream. You can't fix your love life with a pill or find lasting success in any other scheme that's too good to be true. It would be great if you could buy your success, good relationships and health in a nicely clammed shell packaged at the local supermarket, but that's not how it works. He was uncomfortable for 18 years because he was establishing himself in the call of God. Team, come on back and join me. You ever looked at your life and you're like, man, I've I got some stuff in there that, that's not pretty. Come on, anyone looked at it like that? Again, no one. <laughs> Tough crowd. Uh, come on, you ever looked at your thought patterns, your emotions, you're dealing with stuff? Can we get a bit honest this morning? And you're like, man, I'm way too negative. I'm, I'm way too reactive. I, I fly off the handle. Come on, you, you ever looked at it and you look at your life and you're like, okay, God, I, I'm just going to pray and that'll fix it. Here's what I've noticed. Ongoing, steady progression is the only thing that creates movement and replaces the things in our life. When I pray day in, day out, when I spend time with God day in, day out, then I get to a point where it becomes about what I'm doing in steady progress. 18 years he served Elijah. 18 years he established himself in the things of God. 18 years. And it didn't happen in a prayer. It happened with ongoing, uncomfortable action. Securing your soul is not comfortable because your feelings are going to tell you something tomorrow. You're going to want to speak something tomorrow that doesn't line up with the Word of God. You're going to want to make some decisions in a moment that aren't beneficial long term. But just keep going, steady progression. John Maxwell said this, Improvement doesn't happen in a day, but it must happen daily. What are we doing every day to secure our soul in the things that God wants us secured in? The condition of my soul is a result of what is being established through ongoing, steady progression. So Elijah went through unbearable to uncomfortable to unstoppable. Do you know that God answered his prayer? He said, I want double portion. At that stage, Elijah had done 11 mighty miracles. He told the sun to stand still. He said, don't rain, and it didn't rain. He killed 400 prophets of Baal. Like this isn't, I prayed for someone and their dandruff went away, which is a miracle. But these are mighty miracles. And the Bible says that Elisha did 
double what Elijah did. Why? Because he went through unbearable. He pushed through uncomfortable and he became unstoppable in what God had called him to do. Listen, when God asks you to do something, it's not to take away from your life, it's to set you up. So the V8 engine that He's put in you will go all the way through your soul and it will create forward momentum into all that He has for you. Are you adrift? Or are you anchored? Because anchoring starts with discovering there is a God who loves you and a God who is for you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.